What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Bird Talk, presented by Uplander. I'm Cliff Enzor, and we're here to talk about wild birds, bird dogs, and everything Upland, so thanks for tuning in. Excited to get into this episode and talk about birds, specifically my favorite bird to chase, the king of all game birds, the partridge way up north, the rough grouse. I am from Michigan. I'm fortunate enough to reside in a state where we have a lot of access and opportunity to hunt these birds. And for me, what makes this bird so much fun to hunt is the unpredictability of them. Just when you think you're starting to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, they take that script, throw it out the window, and you're back to step one trying to figure out what your next move is going to be. And I think as rough grouse hunters, that is the challenge of these birds that we love so much. It's a never-ending pursuit to constantly evolve and try to learn as much as we possibly can about them. But in the end, no matter what we think we know, they always seem to humble us. So with today's topic, I want to get into a small window of opportunity, it seems like, that exists at the end of October to capitalize on some great shooting opportunities. So if you feel like you've been getting your ass kicked by these birds all season and are ready to put your hunting gear on Craigslist and never look back, I know I've certainly felt like that at times. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but with rough grouse hunting, more often than not, the bird wins. So coming into the end of October, there is something magical that happens, which is a small window of opportunity where I think you can get some really great shot opportunities and almost catch the birds with their pants on the ground. So stay tuned. We're going to get into all that. But first, I just want to give you guys a few updates on some of the things we've been working on here at Uplander, some of the things that we've had going on behind the scenes a little bit, things we're super excited about to be working on heading into fall. We've been really busy lately getting ready for a litter of puppies we're expecting from our liver Brittany female ember here in a few weeks. I believe right now we're looking at puppies being whelped between June 23rd and June 28th. So super stoked for that and excited to meet the pups. We've also been working hard on sourcing some new garments for this fall, specifically some performance field wear. We're looking at some short and long sleeve options that would be made of polyester. We've done some of these shirts in the past, but I've been trying to find the best possible garment we could produce, and I think we finally came across the one. Excited for these because they have an awesome fit and feel to them, super breathable, wick moisture, dry extremely fast, they're odor, stain, and snag resistant, so... I think they're going to make some badass shirts to wear during the early season in the heat and double as a base layer later in the year when the weather starts to cool. So with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's discussion. So every year, usually the end of October, the leaves begin to fall. And how does this relate to rough grouse hunting exactly? Well, rough grouse live in leaves and cover all year, let's say from May, June, July, August, September, October, and When the leaves finally begin to fall, it takes them a few days to transition into life without leaves and all the foliage around them that they've been used to living in. And when this happens, it seems to make these birds pretty vulnerable. It's like they haven't realized that this change has happened yet. That's, you know, kind of their their life has been so used to and consistent with one thing and how they're doing their routine for the last six seven months or so that when all of a sudden this uh overhead canopy the foliage around them when it's taken away 
it's like they don't know how to react to it. Not in the sense of maybe not right away. Eventually they figure it out after a few days, but you do have a small window of opportunity for a few days when all the leaves finally fall down, all the foliage is dead, and the grouse have not adapted to life without all of that yet and they go about their normal everyday routines usually grouse have the comfort the security of all that foliage all that leaf cover around them it gives them a blanket of security basically and when all of it disappears they have it takes them a minute to adapt to it so going into the end of october um, what, what I think a lot of us, maybe not a lot of us, but me specifically, I struggle with September, beginning of October is, you know, grouse seem to just be kind of randomly found. Uh, there's so much cover everywhere. There's not, unless it's a specific food source that you're trying to target at one point of the day, it seems like they can just spread out and they can find cover to live in and virtually hide in everywhere they look because there's foliage that's above them. There's so much ground cover of ferns, uh, raspberry bushes. Everything is full of life, green, and gives them great cover to disappear in when they feel like they're being threatened. Now, let's fast forward to the end of October. All of a sudden, everything dies, and their whole world is now suddenly that they've been living in for the last few months flipped upside down. And what makes this great for grouse hunters is because the the grouse are usually just able to, you know, keep running, running, escape into thicker cover, and then all of a sudden everything dies, and that security blanket no longer exists. So the grouse go oh crap, what do I do now? And since they they feel like they don't have anywhere to run or hide, they take flight. And that gives us as grouse hunters really good shooting opportunities. And a lot of times the birds just hunker down real fast. They don't have anything to run or hide in. So if they feel the pressure of a dog or a hunter coming, then they just hunker down and you're usually able to get really close the bird is thinking okay maybe if i just sit tight here the threat is going to pass and lo and behold here comes a guy up behind his dog and walks right into the bird which is not far from the dog flushes and everything's gone everything's dead the bird is clear in sight and you get a great shot opportunity at that bird and it's just a magical time to be a grouse hunter when the grouse have not figured out exactly how to react yet to the new cover that they're now living in without leaves, without ground cover, foliage, all that around them. So this, if you're a grouse hunter or if you're looking into trying to become a better grouse hunter, this is a period of time where I've really realized that it's a great opportunity to try and capitalize on some good shooting opportunities. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example of a hunt I had this last October. It was October 31st, and the leaves this last year kind of came down a little bit later than they normally do. Normally, leaves and foliage, everything dies and is down by the mm, mid-second to third week in October, the 20th to 25th, right in there sometime. But we had a little bit of a drought last year. 
Uh, things were delayed a little bit. We also, up north in Michigan, we had a lot of gypsy moss, and gypsy moss are very destructive. They eat pretty much any leaf in sight or uh, tender bud or shoot, and May and June, the gypsy moths up north in northern Michigan had just wiped out so much cover everywhere, and that actually forced the trees to regenerate and have new growth later than what they, they would have. So I think that actually forced a lot of leaves to stay on the trees longer this last year, and it wasn't until about October 30th, 31st, November 1st even, when all the leaves finally came down off of the trees and that's just a touch later than normal but anyways getting into this hunt it was october 31st it was halloween it was a sunday and i had spent friday and saturday hunting with my dad he went home sunday morning i had traveled to a different part of the state that morning to go hunt for the day and i ended up shooting two birds that morning one with uh, my dog ember and another one with my year old dog aspen had a great couple uh hunts with them that morning good time out in the field and was able to get a couple birds in the bag and i went into a big cut for my evening hunt and this is probably a big 250 acre piece of just all clear-cut aspen i hadn't gone in there yet this year or i'm sorry that year and I was excited to go in there because the leaves were falling down. There's a lot of openings and clearings inside this clear cut, a lot of trails as well. And this time of year, you can really find those birds in the early mornings or late afternoons hanging out, basking in the sun in those clearings. And the grouse haven't realized yet that the cover that they are used to ducking back into if they feel pressure from something or threatened by something is no longer there. And that's exactly what happened on this hunt. We found a lot of birds out on the edge of openings, and they did not know how to react to uh, the cover that was no longer there that they had felt uh, secure going into uh, in the previous six months they had been living there. So we went into this big cut. I had two birds in the bag already. I put my big running dog, Yeti, on the ground. And this is probably one of the bigger spots that I hunt. I, it, it takes me about three hours to complete this loop, the full loop if I do it. And that's a pretty big loop for me. I try and keep my runs smaller, uh, if, as efficient as possible, and just move on from spot to spot. Uh, but this is a big spot, and I went in there with two birds in my bag, and I was like, man, there's a possibility that I could capitalize on three birds going into this hunt. And I was kind of like, I'll give it, I'll give it a good half run here to begin with and see what happens because it was getting late into the afternoon on Sunday. I still had to drive back home, still had to get up, uh, for work the next day. And once I got home, had to obviously put all my gear away, get the dogs taken care of. And then yeah, settle in for Sunday night and go back to the joy of what we call work on Monday. So my mindset was I'm going to go in, hunt half of this, and just see what happens. So I started out, we ran the first half, and it was pretty slow. I think we uh, saw two or three grouse, and I I didn't get any shot opportunities, just your normal. Oh, did you see it? I didn't. I just heard it. That's what happens a lot when you grouse hunt. You just hear a bird, or you know, I, if you grouse hunt, you can definitely relate to that. And I did have one opportunity, but it was a it was a woodcock, and my dog trailed this bird for a while. I was expecting it to be a grouse, 
because it was running on us, and I was thinking grouse the whole time. Woodcock season had just closed the day before, so I couldn't shoot the bird, uh, but the bird got some good dog work out of it. The bird got up, and I was like, oh, man, it's just a woodcock, and my heart was racing for, like, the 75-yard track that I did with my dog, just doing a slow creep right in front of me. My gun was ready to go off, hand and finger on the on the safety, just ready to click it up when I heard that flush take off, but it just turned out to be a woodcock. So anyways, moving on from there, we continued our loop just about at the halfway point my dog goes on point on this little clearing edge right in front of me and I can tell right away that he's got a pretty serious point there's probably a bird in the area somewhere here so I walk up behind him and this bird basically flushes at my feet shoots straight down the track and wide open you couldn't have had a better look at a grouse than I had right here Ended up emptying both barrels on it, whiffed. Um, I called myself a loser after that one. It was the picture-perfect shot at a grouse opportunity. You don't get many that are better than that right there. Bird flies away. I'm sitting there telling myself what a loser I am, and that's what started it right here. From here on out, we had a lot of action after that, and I realized, like, hey, let's start looking for these clearings where the birds might be dumping out of cover to, you know, pick some gravel or, you know, pick some clover or something like that. And they think they have the security to duck back into the cover that they've been used to for the last six months. But guess what? They don't have that cover anymore to hide in or run in. So they're going to give us some good shooting opportunities. And this was a trend that continued throughout the rest of our walk that evening. I ended up moving close to 30 birds on this walk, and I had, gosh, four or five really, really good shooting opportunities, but I got inside my head. I could not hit the broadside of a barn. I got some great looks at birds, looks that you just dream of as a grouse hunter all season long. I had it at the end of the hunt, I had a double flush. Both birds got up right in front of my face, flushed away, and I missed both of them. Uh, we had another opportunity where my dog trailed a bird for a little bit, and I knew it was a grouse that had to have been running on us. He finally pinched it on the edge of this opening. I swung around out in front of him. Again, same scenario, finger on the safety, ready for to hear that bird start flushing. It flushes right in between the dog on point and me, gets up, flies beautifully over my head in the clear open. Again, I dumped both barrels, missed it, and uh, that was the end of that opportunity. But luckily, there was a second bird sitting there, and the bird, the second bird, ends up taking flight while I'm sitting there being a mopey dope about what I uh, what I just missed, and I I was able to reload and get a good shot at that bird, and that was the only bird that we came out of there with. But I can't tell you how many birds we found just on the edge of some aspen that had all the leaves falling down off of it. Those birds had no idea what to do or where to go when we walked up on them other than to just sit tight and hope that we were going to walk right by. But we walked right into them, flushed them, got some great looks at birds. But um, my shooting just was not up to par that night, and we only came out of there with one bird. I should have had my three birds to complete my five-bird limit that day easily, but... 
I just couldn't get my shooting together, and that was the end of that. But absolutely and a, a great night hunting. So much fun, especially when you're seeing that many birds, getting that many good looks at birds. And that is the window of opportunity that we wait for all year long as grouse hunters. So if you can catch birds just on those couple days right after leaves start coming down, you're usually going to get pretty close to birds and you're going to get some good shooting opportunities. And it's something I look forward to every year at the end of October when the leaves start to fall and all the foliage starts to die. Now, where do we go once the foliage dies um, and the grouse have to relocate themselves? They figure out exactly, you know, hey, we can't be here anymore because the cover's gone and we're basically just sitting ducks here. So where do the grouse go from there? Now, what I always look for is leaves or trees that are still holding leaves. There is um, two, two trees that hold their leaves longer than most in the woods and one would be oak and another one would be beech nut oak is probably pretty self-explanatory everybody knows what an oak tree looks like now i'm not talking about your big you know 25 30 year old mature oaks that's not where we're looking for grouse at we're looking for grouse in uh young forest growth still oaks that are anywhere from 8 to 10 to 12 feet high and they will hold their leaves. Gosh, I mean, even all the way through winter, sometimes these oaks hold their leaves after they change colors. They don't just fall off of the trees like the rest of the leaves in the forest do, especially like aspen. Aspen really dries out fast, and they drop their leaves really early. Uh, but oak leaves, oak leaves hold on to the tree for a long time, and if you can find a patch of young oak, after everything else has fallen off the trees, that's where I find a lot of birds migrate to after all the leaves have uh, fallen off the trees because now they found cover that they can relate to that they've been living in for uh, the past six months. And if you can find a good patch of oak with nothing else around it, a lot of times you're going to find some birds in there. Another example of a tree that holds its leaves for in a period of time after everything else falls off is beech nut. Beech nut is a tree, it's kind of a silvery colored bark, it's a smooth bark, and the leaf is kind of like a, an oval shaped with a serrated edge type style on it. And they turn like a, a golden brown color and actually, uh, my buddy Justin Berkeley and I, we have a spot that uh, he, he hunts quite a bit, and we call it the Golden Nugget specifically just because there's a lot of beech nut in there, and it, it's a fantastic place to hunt once all the leaves fall down, and we call it the Golden Nugget because that's what the leaves kind of look like, and that's it's a golden spot to hunt once all the leaves come down. And the leaves come down, the beech nut still holds on to it, their leaves and a lot of times if there's grouse in the area they're going to flock to that cover that still is holding leaves onto it so beech nut and oak two trees to be looking for after leaves fall down uh, wherever you're hunting grouse at uh, one spot that i have that i i really like to hunt is full of beech nut it's way back and the it's probably an 11 12 year old cut and it has a lot of big pines that border around it and 
the the aspen is the right age and there's a lot of beech nut mixed in with it and there's these really big pockets of beech nut throughout the whole cut and i love going in there after all the leaves have died in the surrounding areas and all the aspen leaves have fallen off because i know i'm gonna find birds grouped up in all those beech nut trees that are still holding their leaves on it and I've, I've got a video on YouTube. If you want to go and check it out on our channel, it's called Good Good Dog Work, Poor Shooting, Deep Dive into Different Rough Grouse Covers. And in that video, I specifically talk about this section of beech nut, and you can get a really good idea of what this beech nut looks like and how it still holds its leaves compared to other leaves that are in the area and what exactly these trees and those leaves look like. So definitely go and check that out if you have some time. Uh, it's a pretty good video and gives you an up close and personal view of some of the places that I'm hunting and exactly what I'm looking for. And I do a little bit of a deep dive into that a video of exactly what I'm looking for in the exact spots I'm going into hunt. So just some things to chew on here, some things to think about when leaves start falling and how the grouse are going to transition and relate to the leaves falling and where they're going to disperse to after their cover that they've been living in has disappeared. So with that said, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, just to backtrack a little bit here, be thinking about how the leaves falling affects the grouse, how it's going to affect their reaction to the cover they lived in, uh, what they've been living in, and how they're going to transition into something else once all their cover dies, foliage is gone, and just yeah, how the birds are going to react to that and where you're going to find them in the next stage of their yearly life cycle. So hope you guys enjoyed this. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, next episode, I, like I said, I want this to be a user-driven content a little bit, and we had a listener reach out and mention to us about a topic with something that he, his dog that he's been trying to work on with differentiating his dog for, hey, we're just going for a hike, or hey, like it's it's we're going hunting, and how does you get your dog to react properly and in the right mindset when you go hunting that the dog knows that. We're going hunting and this means business. So don't run too fast and just lollygag around or just don't be, you know, wandering around just thinking we're out on a walk or just another, you know, hike. We're actually hunting. This means business. So I've got a few thoughts on it. I've got some things that I do with my dogs to try and work on this to make sure that their mindset is always in the right space when we hit the field and to make them realize that it, we might run into a bird right away. So you better be thinking about finding that bird as soon as I tell you to go hunt and not just, well, we're just out here, you know, running around. And if we find a bird, we find a bird. So anyways, looking forward to talking a little bit more about that topic on the next episode. If you guys have anything you want to be discussed here on bird talk, shoot me over a message on Instagram. That's Uplander Lifestyle or shoot us a, a message, uh, an email, uplander18 at gmail.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this and thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.